What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Consciousness, mindset, health, relationship, business. Welcome to the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. What's up, party people? Here we are with the AMP Podcast with my right-hand man, Jason Havey. COO, Chief Operations Officer here at Onnit, and also the founder and host of the Spinning Logic podcast. What's That's up, it. my man? Thanks for having me. This yeah. is great. It's fun being on the other side of things. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. This is your first podcast guest appearance? It can't be. No, it's not the first one. I've done a couple, but uh, this is the first podcast guest appearance in person. Ah. Yeah, I've done a few through Skype. Yeah, in person, in person's the shit. Yeah, you know, so I could better. probably have a lot of really interesting conversations over Skype, and we do it a bit more for the THO. It's just there's some disconnect that's a little bit different about having that conversation over Skype. Yeah, I think it, part of it is that you can see your own face, which is yeah. inevitably incredibly distracting. Like, you ever watch girls FaceTime each other? I don't even think they look at the other person they're, at all. They're, they're just, just checking like straight up. up checking themselves out. And, and I think that's a natural inclination. Like, if there's reflective surfaces, most monkeys will look in that reflective surface yeah. and check themselves out. Well, and, and especially if you're doing audio only, you don't get those nonverbal cues, so the conversation doesn't flow as smoothly back and forth. Yeah. yeah, and somehow with Skype, it feels like the conversation overlap isn't quite the same, even as a phone. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where the moments where you talk over each other, you can't hear shit. Yeah, that's like, true. Like the way that the audio travels through is just different than it travels through cell or whatever. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that I've noticed lately is Skype loves to update about five minutes before I want to do a podcast every time. So like I'll, I'll pop it up and it's like, all right, new update. We got to install right now. It's an urgent update. It wasn't urgent yeah. a couple minutes ago. We got to figure this out. But of course, benefits are you can reach anybody at any time. Anywhere. Yeah. So it yeah. makes it so much easier to get really busy guests. Yeah. So that's, sure. that's what I've tried to do because I, I've found with the podcast that I'm able to talk to people I wouldn't otherwise talk to in areas of expertise that I have a great interest in. And now I, 
you know, I don't just call up and say, hey, my name's Jason. I need to talk to you. That wouldn't yeah. fly really well. But <laughs> right. when it's like, I need to bring you on the show, then uh, they have a reason to yeah, that's, come on. That is the one of the great things about a podcast is you get a very focused, dedicated conversation with a really interesting person. Like It's hard to get really focused conversations with anybody. You know, there's so many distractions and phones yeah. and other things pulling your head. But when you know that hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are listening... You know, you pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> you put your phone away. Your phone's on silent. You yeah. Know, and you prepare for devoting it. Devoting your best. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Well, shit, man. Let's get into this. Let's do This it. a little bit. So um, it's an interesting way that you kind of found your way uh, mm. to this this chair that you're sitting here. Sure. And it starts, um, starts with ayahuasca, I would have to say, would be the, yeah. be the genesis of this. So yeah. why, don't you, uh, why don't you take us through the beginning? Yeah. Okay. I... I uh, Back in July of 2013, I went through this incredible bender where I just had the perfect weekend where everything came together. There was a wedding, a baseball game, uh, 4th of July fireworks, the whole thing. And I drank through that whole weekend, right? And I had a hangover that lasted for four days. (laughs) And every year you get older... Uh, the hangovers last like an extra hour. So by the time you get to 38 years old, some, some of those hangovers hit another day. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, I got to make a change. I can't, you know, I'm running the nicest hotel in my hometown. I can't be showing up there hungover. So you're running the Hilton in... In Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, yeah. Yeah. And so I decided, all right, I'm quitting drinking cold turkey. Well, that was the first in the start of several good decisions. But right after I quit drinking... Um, I was like, okay, what else can I do? Because then I got addicted to what else can I do to improve myself, specifically with mental acuity. And uh, um, I found Alpha Brain. Actually, I found Alpha Brain before I found ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And when I found Alpha Brain, started uh, changing my inputs too. I turned off the TV. I used to love watching sports, turn that off, start listening to podcasts. And podcasts are really beautiful because you can control your input. And so I got to pick podcasts that were interesting to me and uh i listened to a the podcast with uh you and joe rogan this is a common story that you've heard a lot right a few times and uh (laughs) but when i heard it you guys were talking about ayahuasca and i was cleaning my house or something and my ears perked up and i was like what are they talking about because that sounds like the thing that i've been looking for forever that i knew was out there even in my 20s when i was you know trying to to uh access that that mythical 90% of your brain that that they say that you don't access. And uh, so I started Googling while I was listening to the podcast, and I realized ayahuasca was it. That's what's been calling me the whole time. I just didn't know its name or where it lived. And right after that, it was about a week later after some intense studying that uh, uh, I found Blue Morpho tours in in, uh, Peru led by Hamilton Souther, and I went down there. I booked as soon as I could, quick as I could get in was November. I'm telling you the long version of the story, but just because it's so applicable to what I experience in life now. Mm-hmm. So I go down to Blue Morpho, and to be honest, that was my entire knowledge of you and of on it was really that one podcast and Alpha Brain, and that was it. And so I didn't, I didn't know much else, and I didn't follow you on social media, anything like that. And so I go down there and uh, had a life-changing five ceremonies of ayahuasca where 
I won't go into it because we could do a whole podcast on that. But I mean, I did everything from experience heaven and hell in the same night, uh, live entire lives as animals and plants. I did some <laughs> crazy stuff. Yeah. And one of the visions was very focused. I had one night where I just had almost a task list given to me of things that I was going to do, but I saw it in pictures. One of the things that I saw is that I would be on stage doing some sort of comedy. And another thing, I saw myself hurtling towards the earth and, and essentially jumping out of an airplane. And another thing I saw uh, at the time, and this is not bullshit, as uh, <laughs> I saw, I saw me holding the wrist of Hamilton Souther and your wrist and bringing you guys together. And I thought it was really strange because I didn't, I didn't know you. Right. Yeah. And so that was a, a odd thing, but I knew when I, when I was less uh, Mariotto that uh, those, those things had to happen. It was important. So as soon as I got back, I started rushing them. I started taking improv classes. I jumped out of an airplane. Uh, I, I took some college courses that were real specific to some things I wanted to learn. And I started, I tried, I didn't know your email, but I was like, I figure that's the best way to introduce you. So I wrote you like this two page email and I sent it to a.marcus at onnit.com, aubreymarcus at onnit.com. I was using underscores, one, two, threes. I, had, I, I probably sent it to 20 different emails. And uh, then I was like, did it, done, yeah, <laughs> accomplished, right? And I didn't think about it again. The interesting thing, though, is in the process of trying to figure out what your email was, I started following you on social media. And I hadn't before. And then I got to know more about you and on it and the culture, et cetera. And then fast forward, what was it, seven months, something like that, you had posted about uh, looking for an executive assistant. And so I emailed you and I emailed you a resume. I said, you know, this might not be the job for me, but, uh, you know, I believe in you. I believe in uh, the culture. Here's my email. Here's a picture with me, President Obama, so you know I'm legit. And uh, I don't know if that makes you legit. I don't know. I'm not sure, that, but it definitely it definitely made an impression. Yeah, yeah. That's all I was trying to do. I was just trying to get to the top of the stack. And uh, uh, and then we skyped, and one thing led to another. And um, it sounds like an ad for eHarmony right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, we had we had uh, biochemistry, and uh, came down here. And now I'm going to fast forward the story a little bit. Um, uh, didn't get that job as executive assistant, but eventually got the job that I have now. Yeah, you were the most ridiculously overqualified <laughs> individual for that job. Yeah, I would have never. And made it's sense. Fu it's funny to this day. I see people apply that still have the same things in their their cover letters that I have, where it's like, I will work there for free. You do not have to pay me. <laughs> and I'm like, I know where you're coming from, but I was there. Um, but after I start, so I I am not really thinking about this vision anymore, but. A couple months after being here, I talked to you about Hamilton and, uh, you know, said that that uh, I think he was coming to Austin to go to the One Center or something and uh, hooked it up so you guys could meet. Yeah. And then I was and then you did a podcast with him where I was just standing in this room on the other side of the table and I saw you guys sitting there. And I was like, oh, that's it. And I just had chills go through my body like that's what I saw. That's almost exactly what I saw. 
And yeah, so, like, was... paradoxically, it doesn't fit into a linear timeline, but it still ended up the way it was supposed to. No doubt. The visions were fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool thing. You know, in my ayahuasca vision, I've told the story a million times, but I saw on it at this place that it is now and, and beyond. I saw all of that, and I saw the steps needed to make it happen. It can, you know, it can give you these mystical visions. As you said, you live the life of many animals. I talked to a bunch of animals and spirits, and yeah. I've been to heaven, I've been to hell, I've been to all of these different places. Obviously, the names don't necessarily apply, but occasionally, you get very specific tasks. Yeah. It's like, this is what you gotta do, bro, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's really, really interesting when that happens, and it's, really cool when you get an opportunity to fulfill those tasks yeah it's 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 emboldening too because i know i'm at the right place at the right time yeah you know and but uh and now i'm at this place where where i've fulfilled the things that were on that task list every one of them but i don't feel the need to go back for ayahuasca right now the plant is not calling me so i'm not pushing it yeah um because everything's going well right now and and i i feel very focused here in Austin with on it with uh Black Swan with our other companies and I know like I feel so comfortable here that this is where I'm supposed to be like I just know that, that somewhere that's maybe and I that's maybe one of the best feelings in life yeah you know and I've yeah. I've finally gotten to that place because most of my life I always had the feeling like man I'm really fucking blowing it you know even though from the outside I still feel that it sometimes. wouldn't <laughs> yeah, yeah it wouldn't look like <laughs> I was blowing it but you know, I was comparing about Alexander the Great conquered the world to 25. What the fuck am I doing? I'm selling fake vaginas at Fleshlight. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. well, you know, I'm, yeah. I knew that I had a lot more potential and a lot more to offer the world than than what was happening. I would write blog posts and 30 people would read it. I was like, God, this yeah. is good. Like somebody yeah. figure it out, you know, and, and then but now, you know, everything by, you know, really had to align myself to the mission, understand exactly what it is. That I wanted to do which was you know from the very top down is the most important thing to get on your path and that was affect human consciousness like that is the force that is the type of force that I'm here to do and once I started to see that and once I saw how on it could fit into that picture yeah things just started to line up and finally just recently now you know I can really kind of sit back and say like I'm exactly where I want to be and should be and everything in my life that despite it looking like these wayward side angling, you know, forays into the bushes and being lost and backtracking, all of that was perfect to get me right where I am right now. Yeah. And that's, uh, there's no better feeling than that, man. It takes constant reminders though, right? Because when you said, uh, you know, you think about that, that you look in the mirror sometimes and you're like, I'm screwing up. That never really goes away. Yeah. Like that self doubt is still there. But the one thing that I feel like I've, proven to myself now is that's okay embrace that feeling but then realize that it's not necessarily serving you it's just bringing you back so you can power through to the next thing and uh uh it's almost like a soft reset you're going to have those moments and the reason you have those moments is because you're you're trying for more yeah and yeah i'm at this point now where i feel like that but and i feel like man, there's a lot of people that would sit in the chair that I'm sitting in. There's a lot of people that would love to have that. And that's motivation on its own. But then there's also, there's still more. We have more to do here. Way more to do. Uh, way more to do. And the story can't end here. No. And so like every day that eats at me where, you know, the, the old saying, the competition never sleeps. 
And that's how I feel all the time. We yeah. have to do more. We have to stay focused. We got to stay on mission because the mission we're doing, we're doing people a disservice if we don't leave it all on the field. No, no doubt. Yeah, there's there's also the the slight terror that comes when things are going pretty well because you, you know, know cause something's cause happening because you get used to like you get used to life kicking you in the nuts. Yeah, you know? and you're yeah. like things are really good, and you have no bad thing that you have to focus on, which can take your attention. It's like it's like someone who's grown up on a battlefield and they've gotten so comfortable on the battlefield that when bullets are flying, they're like they're in their groove, like yeah. they understand where they're at think of like a season world war ii general you know who's in the trenches and you know like he's like when the mortars are flying they're in their element you know yeah. and and that's kind of the position you can get in and when things are all quiet and it's peaceful and it's like oh shit when's the next bomb going off but well, yeah. uh, and that's i think it's in some ways that's helpful as like the stoics would call it premeditation thinking mm -hmm. about all the ways that the you know fortune could kick you in the balls but you also have to be able to enjoy when things are good. Yeah. And that's a, a lesson that I have to remind myself as well. Like, it's okay, dude, take this deep breath. You'll figure it out one way or another. No need to stress about some future incident. Think about them, but don't stress about them. And the same when you're looking at yourself, like, think about how you could do better, but don't carry the whip and beat your human up, yeah. you know, because of some idea that you have. Like, it's unnecessary for the motivation to feel the negative emotions associated you can feel in that state of joy and bliss and still have the motivation i think that's a false kind of paradox that people set up they think that you have to be really hard on yourself to be motivated and you can only get motivated by the stick now you can totally get even more motivated by the carrot by chasing those feelings of fun and enjoyment and love. satisfaction love you know mm -hmm. chasing those things instead of beating yourself up every time you don't meet up your standards because you know, that's ultimately going to, you know, determine the quality of your life. If you're constantly, you know, it's like a rider of a horse. If the only thing the horse is riding for is because he just keeps getting the shit beat out of him, then every time he's running, he's just going to be feeling the sting of the whip rather than, you know, feeling the wind in his mane and yeah. really enjoying the experience as well. So, you know, it's, we have to, you know, sometimes maybe you need a little bit of stick, but... For the most part, you know, chase the fun, chase the love. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird thing about humanity. And I think it still stems from us having thousands of years living at the lowest level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where we almost seek out adversity and we lack attention and we default to fear because that's what kept us alive yeah and now those things don't serve us as much now that the world is a, obviously a much safer place than it was then uh our mind still wants to find where that struggle is so that it can either be avoided or that it can be internalized to avoid whatever potentiality is out there because you see people that have no room to complain or they have very little room or they have very little natural adversity in their life. It's why uh, there's such a thing as spoiled brats, mm -hmm. right? Because they, they find that adversity and trouble in their life naturally. Yeah. I think one thing that, you know, really impressed upon me as I was watching the bears out on my hunting trip mm. is that they are prepared at any moment for a variety of circumstances. A grizzly could come in, try to fight them. Mm. Um, you know, a mother with cubs, you know, other male boars, the male bears would come in, 
and they could potentially try to eat the cubs. There's all kinds of shit that can happen. There's hunters, there's Life you know, things. Stuff. But they're so locked in the present moment. And these things happen to these bears all the time. But they keep their awareness open for all these potential dangers, and they're ready to move in a flash. You know, like another bear comes in, they'll smell it, and then bolt and climb up a tree. You'll hear all... Mm. You know, so they're ready to they're ready to respond to danger. But when the danger's over... They're not like humans where you're thinking about it and traumatized and carrying that yeah. shit with you forever. That's just this weight that's unnecessary. And I think there's a way, you know, that's really the ideal for me now is, yeah, be prepared, be aware, think about what's going on, but don't carry the past and the future like these lead backpacks that are bogging you down. You know, try to anchor to that present moment and just be the force of life that breathes through your body and be aware and deal with the shit when it comes, you know, think about what might come, do your best to prevent it, but don't live it, you know, don't emotionally live the crisis until it's happened. Yeah. You know, don't emotionally carry the trauma that's already happened. Like, let that shit go. We're getting, I think we're experiencing that evolution now where as humans, our biggest success is our ability to figure out puzzles and you don't see you also don't see bears concerned with their looks or no. any of that weird stuff right and it's almost like that our intellectualism is trying to figure out our instincts mm-hmm. and it it's having trouble so it internalizes it and makes a bunch of judgments and a lot of those judgments are incorrect or at least illogical yeah you see the crazy ramifications of it like i was giving my speech at paleo effects and i was talking about you know i'm encountering a lot of young men with um, that are having issues with sex, mm. like having a hard time having sex. And like that is unheard of in the bear world. <laughs> you know, like bears, bears don't have impotency issues. That's like true. that's it. They don't like meet a new bear and like, God, I'm so nervous. What if I don't perform? I need some whiskey. If, yeah, I need, I need some. What if she tells her bear friends in a chat <laughs> that I couldn't keep it hard? And, God, it's going to ruin me. You know, it's like they're just, they just do it. They, and when it's time to fuck, they fuck. Yeah. You know, and there's there's some of that that we lost because we get so cerebral that we get locked in this these knowledge prisons. And, you know, that's really a, a key aspect of human suffering. Whereas if we can just get more back to the animal and back to the present moment, it's the alleviation of that suffering. And that's really I re- just read a reread a book, The Toltec Art of Life and Death. If anybody's really interested in going deep in that. There's no better book than that by Don Miguel Ruiz, Toltec Art of Life and Death. And uh, a book review should be up by the time this mm. podcast goes up on my site. It's just fucking phenomenal. And you know? what was the biggest lesson from it? That's really, that's really it. It's identifying as the force of life, not the identity me. You know, there's so much mm. wrapped in me. Me, I am me, CEO, Aubrey Marcus, this looks, this reputation, this action, this thing, rather than just a a force that is constantly perceiving, you know, a piece of a single organism with its own unique perspective. Yeah. And that's, and just making that simple shift as a dramatic, dramatic effect. And then also, you know, a lot of lessons about love. He wrote the book mastery of love. So of course, talking about filling yourself full with your internal self love and not abusing your human. He calls it your human or your toy. Like this human body is your toy and that's what you use to play the game. It's like your avatar. This is your Mario in the in the Mario Brothers world. Yeah. Super Mario world, you know, and this is what you're what you're playing with. You can eat the mushrooms to power up. You can fucking go through the tubes and visit new worlds. You can do whatever. But 
you know, this is this is the toy that we're playing with. And he says, the primary sin, the only sin is to go against your human. And that's something we do all the time. We're constantly beating ourselves up. We're talking, you know, t- our own internal self-talk is very self-deprecating. That whole subject fascinates me. I think about it a lot of what we are, what the individual is, because essentially if we were able to zoom in on this room with the most powerful electron microscope, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between you and the air, the air and me, me and this table. It would all be one thing. And if, uh, and also like that saying that you like to say, uh, the man can't go into the same river twice because it's not the same man, it's not the same river. I'm not the same person that I was when I was 20. I'm certainly not the same person I was when I was two days old. And I'm a mixture of cheeseburgers, French fries, kale shakes, (laughs) you know, all sorts of things I inputted and somehow changed. And we're all really only a function of emergence where it is a a infinite amount of particles, small things, that somehow emerged in a very weird way to make a big thing. Mm-hmm. But we're not one thing. We can't be one thing. Uh, and if we are one thing, it's something that we self-identify with for the greater good of whatever the universe is that that makes up our physical being. Yeah, it allows us to have a unique point of view, and it allows us free will, like mm-hmm. uh, this identification and choice and, and collection of light. He calls it like a condensation of light, like a, com- a compression of light. Like everything is light. Everything is photons can be expressed as energy. Yes. Right. And it condenses in forms and those forms can take an identity. And that's part of the game. That's part of how you play. But ultimately, you got to recognize that you are just part of the greater light. Mm-hmm. You know? But you have your own unique perspective and your own way to perceive and your own way to fucking play, your own way to have fun. Yeah. You know? And that's that's one thing I notice about the greatest mystics is they don't neglect laughter and fun. You know, anything anyone from, you know, Hamilton as a great shaman, mm-hmm. you know, dude's always laughing. Always. Even in even in ceremony, he's cracking jokes. Really loud. Too. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and, and all every part even I went to Blue Morpho too, whether whether you're having ceremony here in the States or whether you're having ceremony in the jungle. You know, laughter is a huge part of what he's doing because it's fun. It's not, you it's don't the best have to take, purges. you don't have to take it so serious, yeah. you know, and that's, again, something that being around Don Miguel Ruiz is another thing. You know, if you find any kind of spiritual teacher or, or mystic or whatever, and they don't have fun, fucking run. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of there. For sure. They're, they're a charlatan. Yeah, for sure. Or they're playing fear games or they're mm-hmm. playing all these things like laughter should be a part of all of these processes because that's a recognition of. You know, this is a game. Yeah. You play games for fun. Like, you don't play games for other reasons. Yeah. You know, you play games for fun. And yeah, it's great to have a valiant mission. And that's part of the fun of the game is to have some resistance and opponents and things that you can strive against and strive towards. And that gets me fired up. And I watch a movie like Braveheart and break out into yeah. tears. And yeah. 300 gets my fucking blood pumping or Interstellar, these epics. And that's fun. Like, let's take that serious. But understand that it's not so serious that... At a certain point, all of the light of the universe is going to reach its limit. It's going to collapse back. We're going to have another big bang and then another expansion into another universe with multiple Earths, infinite amount of Earth-type places being developed. And it's going to be okay, no matter what. Yeah. You know. So like, we get so caught up and, and everything seems so, so life or death that we lose the joy and that kind of vibrancy of color that we can have with life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you know, when you talk about laughter... I think one of the there's two terms that I always say that we have to we have to expand. One is the term technology and one is the term medicine. And there's a reason 
that people say laughter is the best medicine because it legitimately is because it's the most usable medicine there is and it's the most fun it's the best one to use yeah. but it's not just laughter like music's a medicine anything that can enhance uh your mood or your being um creates a a chemical shift in your body where things actually change. Mm -hmm. And anybody that has that song, that go-to song that they have, either to hype themselves up or make themselves cry or whatever it is, they're using different forms of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, did Hamilton ever play the medicine game with you or the blessings game? No, I don't where think you so. just talk about, like you just throw the cool shit out there in life that you like. And you oh, say, yeah, we did like, that in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's like... Um, sunset hike medicine yeah. or freshly washed t-shirt medicine or whatever whatever you want to say and then just add medicine and you're playing the chimes and you know really feeling in your most consciousness expansive state and then just thinking about all the things that are medicine to you like all of those special things throughout your life that have been you know cool medicine well and when you think about all of those medicines uh, they're essentially experiential and that's one part of life that I've gotten so much better at over the last couple of years. And a lot of it is thanks to on it in general, uh, you specifically, but everybody here is that, that, uh, we can see, smell, touch things that, that make us feel better. Right. And then there's that sixth sense, that in, intuition. And that's what I've really worked on honing is that, that intuition can be a medicine too. It can be experiential in nature. And you can do it really well in float tanks and, and through uh, uh, cannabis and yoga and different, different modalities, just basic meditation, where uh, you actually set something, you can set something off in your brain that sets your mindset for the day. And if your day yeah. goes better, tomorrow's going to be better, right? Yeah. And so it's, I, I look at life now like a choose your own adventure book. And you get to choose to go the positive or negative way with everything. But even if you've gone the negative way previously, you can still get back to the positive way just by making, stringing some good decisions together. But I just realized that every one of those little choices is a fork in the road. And if I start my day with a little bit of meditation or I end my week with a 90 minute float or whatever it is, I realized that I just tend to choose positively. And now I'm so far on the left side of the, or the positive side of the tree that it makes life a lot easier. It mm. feels like it's a hack. Yeah. It feels like you can hack life because life is easier for some people than others, even though they're experiencing the world in similar space. Yeah. Yeah. That's in your harnessing our truest superpower, which is choice. Mm. And, you know, I think it's funny that there's <clears throat> not funny, but it's it's interesting that so many different elements in society will try to rob us of that choice. They will make everything a disease condition. Everything is an addiction. You know, there's people who will tell you that everything is predetermined by who you are. Oh, it's this privilege. It's this thing. You're they're constantly, you know, trying to give you a reason why it isn't choice, because when you acknowledge that we all have a superpower called choice, then you have to take responsibility. And the problem with taking responsibility for people is because the judge inside is so harsh that when they take responsibility, the judge beats the shit out of them yeah. for it, for all of their failings, because they're holding themselves up to an idea of perfection. So instead, they're like, I have a scary judge living in my brain who punishes me 
ruthlessly for everything I do wrong. So as long as I can give responsibility, then the judge won't punish me. So it creates this kind of dynamic. But really, so to address it, you're never going to, you can't address it without addressing the judge. Like that's key. Mm -hmm. And that you have to eliminate the judge's, you know, overbearing hammer mm -hmm. and, and make that agreement with yourself that you will forgive yourself. Like you're not going to beat yourself up senselessly for the things that you've done wrong. And that's such a key aspect of this thing. And then when you get to that point, or you can work simultaneously, then you start recognizing your power of choice and be able to make these decisions. Choice to change your mood. Let's say you're in a super triggered mood or you're super jealous or super bummed or super angry or whatever's going on. You might not be able to just choose to be happy. Like, I choose to be happy. That's a gangster move. Some people can do it. Like, I've seen people. Mm. And actually, like, Siberian mystics will work with playing with their emotions so they can go be really fluid and intentionally move from anger to love to fear to yeah. excitement. And they play with these games with their emotions to show themselves how malleable it is. That's a gangster move. Really hard. What's easier, though, is let's say you're in that shitty mood. And let's say you put on your happy song. Yeah. You know, that song yeah. that, you know, like brings your spirits up and just play it. Like you're not going to want to do it because you get addicted to that suffering feeling and that self-pity. And it triggers all these neurotransmitter responses that, you know, your, your brain is addicted to all of these bad feelings. So but you won't want to do it, but you can. You have that choice to maybe put on that song or maybe go take that walk outside or go into that float tank or whatever your medicine is. Go find your medicine, you know, go find whatever that thing is and and start fixing yourself you have that choice and it may not be to go all the way to the end jumping all the way in i choose to be super happy and you know yeah okay maybe not but you can make the little choices in between to get you there and that's that's our superpower that's uh and it's funny how people fight that superpower because uh when you talk to people about choosing your attitude Sometimes people will scoff at you, but it really is a choice of attitude. You just have to figure out what what the the mechanism is and how it works. I'll give you an example. I rarely get in bad moods anymore, almost never. But I had a couple frustrating things happen. I, I think I've seen you in one bad mood in like fourteen months. Yeah, yeah. What? I'm trying to think of what that was, but yeah, <laughs> you know, it's funny. This was a couple of days ago when we were going through some regulatory stuff. I'm trying to figure it out, and uh, uh, I was getting grumpy, like, man, this is just whatever. And I walk in the bathroom and I, I washing my hands, and I look at my face, and I was just scowling or whatever. <laughs> and I said out loud you little bitch. And I just started laughing at myself, like, cause I just looked like such a little cry bitch. And I just started laughing and then I couldn't stop laughing the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. And I realized that was like the little hack is like, I had to just rib myself a little bit yeah. and then it was fixed and I wasn't in a bad mood. It's such anymore. a great move. I learned that move from my friend, Ted, Ted Decker. And you know, he, he talked about when you're feeling any way that you don't like, you just look at your human as your human. Like, Oh, look, the Jason is all butthurt today. <laughs> the Jason's all sad. Look at the Jason making the sad faces. The Jason washes its hands. You know? Like, and then I, I'll do that to me. Like, oh, look at the Aubrey. Look at the Aubrey feeling sorry for himself in his Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like driving home from the fucking greatest job on the planet that he created. Yeah. Look at the Aubrey. Oh, poor Aubrey. Poor Aubrey. That's so funny. You know? that's and, then, like, and then you laugh. You have to laugh at the ridiculous that's a that. That's a total Anthony Robbins move, too. He had he really 
uh, back when I, I told you in my 20s, I was looking for anything to figure out how to access my brain. Do you walk on coals and shit? No, I didn't do the whole thing, <laughs> no. Uh, but Anthony Robbins, I started listening to him, and that was one thing that I really took from him is how to play those mind games. Like he'd say, if you know somebody's bothering you, tonight when you think about them, turn them into a cartoon character that's just like really grossly angry you know with a big head and little uh, sizzle lines coming out of their ears and and when you think about it like that it almost becomes comical so next time you see it it doesn't bother you it's like oh there goes that comic book character again yeah you know yeah it's so much of so much of life is dealing with emotions you know emotions are what create the real signals in our body be it stress or fear or anger or they really color our experience. You know, that's the palette and the paintbrush that determines the quality of our life. So, you know, getting mastery over that is really at the core of so many of these great traditions. And then, so there's some of the more practical mental aspects like I talked about, or like Tony talked about how to deal with it. And then you have more spiritual foundations like the Hawaiian kahunas who have the whole ponopono philosophy which is you see something that's bothering you in that other person then you go deep within yourself and you find that same thing mm -hmm. and you forgive yourself for that thing that is in you and in doing so you forgive them really solidifying that universal truth that we are all you know one being with infinite you know variety of different perspectives so so that that they are you and you are them and so you go inside yourself and find that thing and that's incredibly powerful too yeah and and all of these different ways or or you treat it head on like the siberian mystics and play with your emotions and do these exercises where you it's kind of like being a crazy person where you're trying to actually make yourself happy sad scared angry all of these things and just keep it fluid but dealing with your emotions is absolutely absolutely key and i think one thing that people do though is one mistake is people kind of withdraw completely from the emotional body and that's kind of a it's kind of like a standard mystic move and it's a pretty good move mm -hmm. you know i'm more comfortable doing that actually than doing the other like i tried to do the siberian exercises like where you just live it. within it i hated it yeah, <laughs> I, I hate it i talked to hamilton about it and i was like man that was so hard for me he's like yeah totally i understand like living in the emotional body is like throwing yourself in the whirlpool with the waves crashing around and practicing your swimming that way whereas you can just decide no i'm only gonna be in this tranquil pond yeah but the problem is is that inevitably you will find yourself in that whirlpool and in the waves so you got to train in those environments too you got to do a little bit of both you know you can't just always withdraw plus heightened emotions you know for someone who you know appreciates the the life of a poet and being a poet you want to feel the extremes you don't want to just not feel the extremes you want to yeah. i want to feel the depths of sadness and the full feeling of rage and i want to feel all these things but be able to control my actions and be able to move fluidly through them not withdraw completely so that i don't feel anything numbness yeah. is the ultimate enemy for me so it's a kind of a balance of taking yourself out of the turmoil that's just going to continually bash you all over the place but not being afraid to engage with your emotional body because that's what colors the life of a human. I think you said the perfect word when you said fluidly because that's really what emotions are, right? Like when when you're in in rough waters and just a wash in that that 
feels very much like like negative emotions or when you're in a a calm pond or a gentle river or whatever it is that that there's joy and you can establish those two when i was when i talked about being in hell in ayahuasca uh when i or in ceremony uh, that's what I felt like. I was awash in these demons, and the demons all were representative of negative emotions. So when they when they touched me, I felt that. I felt torment. I felt anguish. I felt envy. And, you know, when you feel things like pure envy, like 100% envy, <laughs> that is a really sketchy place to be. And that is hell in some ways. And when I think about us living as within our emotions. Our emotions are what make us human. It's what makes everything interesting. Um, but when you don't know how to swim in there, you can get locked in those rough waters. And it starts to feel very hopeless, even though you're very, you're close to uh, gentler waters. But it just takes the ability to figure out how to swim. And if you can't, you need some help. You need some help either through a spiritual advisor, a friend, but the, that feeling of hopelessness is ju- is not real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it, that's and the, the other problem with the emotions is they your mind will create the logical reasons why you feel like that, like post hoc, like after the fact, you know, so you feel a certain way and your emotions will dictate that. So you feel angry. Or you feel something happens. Like, let's say you get hurt. Let's say put it in relationship context. Mm-hmm. You know, you have some reason where your ego was offended. Maybe your girl was talking to somebody and blah, blah, blah. And that's the real reason. You just feel like, you know, some kind of offense to the ego. And then but you'll justify that feeling, which is really just a feeling of being hurt, which is a very primary emotional yeah. feeling. But then you'll start to justify it. Well, she was doing this and yeah. this and this. And you'll create this whole construct of reality of, of how you're looking at something to justify how you feel. When really, it was a simple emotion that was the primary issue. And now you're using your mind to justify why you feel that emotion. You know, it's not going the other way. Sometimes it goes the other way, where your mind will will perceive something and then create the emotion that happens a lot too but it can go both ways sometimes the emotion can be primary and then the mind figures out why that makes sense sometimes the mind figures something out and then that triggers the emotion but you got to realize it goes both ways and certainly when it's coming from emotion first and then the mind's figuring it out you're gonna have some faulty ass logic you're too yeah you're too far down the road no, there's no way because you'll just force it you'll just yeah. force connections to make sense to justify your emotion this is why I'm so happy to be 40 because, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're in relationships, there's nothing that will test those things, that, that uh, jealousy and fear. And that's the only way you can experience something like betrayal is to have somebody else that's so deeply in your heart. And when you feel wronged, that's one of the most difficult feelings in the world to understand but then to react to yeah and i i mean you know i i would guess 90 plus percent of the people listening have felt that before and it manifested itself a hundred percent probably right that that uh and it manifested itself in a bad way where you punch a wall or you <laughs> go you know you call somebody a hundred times at 4 a.m because they're not answering or you do something silly like that and you look back on it like 
why was I doing that? But <laughs> it just it overtakes you with such veracity that it's really hard to calculate. It's really hard for your logical brain to catch up to how far the emotion is ahead of it. Yeah. And it, it can be, you know, as soon as your ego gets involved, that's when, you know, the ego, the ego likes to believe it's real. And so any affront to the ego is like a damage to the flesh of the, your actual body. So if the ego takes a wound, then the ego responds like an animal would respond if you cut it, mm-hmm. you know, or if you punched it, Yeah. you know, and so it responds with that that kind of way and it's when you activate the ego that's the response you're going to get like for example <laughs> yesterday or two days ago um you know whitney and, and relationships are a great way to bring this up i'm in a relationship yeah. with whitney now as most people listening probably know and so she goes out and gets a spray tan and i fucking hate spray tans <laughs> like i fucking hate them there's like uh-huh. few things in life that i hate more than spray tans I hate the smell. I hate the look. I hate yeah. the whole idea of doing it is just repulsive to me. Uh-huh. Right. And she was pretty aware of that. Right. Yeah. But she decided to go get it. She had some fucking photo shoot that she thinks makes her look better or whatever. So <laughs> I'm processing this. And there was I saw clearly two channels because I've had this argument before with previous girlfriend. and It was a disaster, like <laughs> knockdown, drag out. Yeah. And so which is crazy. It's a spray tan. Right. Yeah. So I saw this one avenue was. Dude, it's a fucking spray tan. Deal with it. Make some funny comments on social media and get over it. Yep. You know what I mean? Which which I did. But then there was the other thing. <laughs> then there was the other the other side, which was this treacherous pathway of like, she knows I hate it. And spray did it tan. anyway. She did it on purpose. She did it to offend me to, and insult, yeah. yeah, undermine me and make sure that I could smell it when I was in this whole ego based fucking demon. And I and I could and I would walk like a couple steps down that pathway and just get pissed and be like, "What are you doing, dude? Yeah. That's not it. She just wanted to spray tan. Like, she has chill a out. Shoot. Yeah, she has yeah. a photo shoot. Yeah, not a big deal. So it was this funny thing of like these two distinct pathways. One where the ego was active and took offense to this. How dare you? That's what the ego always says. If you ever hear yourself saying, "How dare you?" Definitely the ego. Yeah, like check that because that's yeah. all the ego. How how dare you get a spray tan when you know I hate them? You know that's that's that path, and that was the activation of the ego demon. You know, mm-hmm. and then the other path was just just whatever. It's silly. It's stupid. Like deal with it. Not a big deal. You know, and and it was funny to have that clear dichotomy and walk a few steps down each path and see how that. That made was me the feel. choice. That was the fork in choice. the road, and you got to you choice. got to choose. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about checking yourself. That's the biggest thing that I think has been influential in my life is I try to check myself at every decision. And and the more introspective I get, the more I keep myself in check. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Where, where mm-hmm. people... Uh, there's some people that that aren't aware of their own level of incompetence, right? So they they very boldly and confidently go down incorrect paths, and uh, I th- that's just purely from a lack of introspection. Because if they were really self-examining, they would eventually start giving themselves red flags to say, "Oh, when I hit my head against the wall, it hurts. I yeah. should not do that again." And uh, with introspection you should naturally just like muscle memory except this is this is actual memory start making good decisions more consistently solely based on experiential data i think again this can go also back to that to that judge because i think a lot of the people who refuse to acknowledge when they're wrong 
or refuse to do introspection are yeah. afraid of admitting they're wrong because mm. if they admit they're wrong to their to their judge in their brain, the judge is going to punish them again because mm -hmm. they have this false expectation of perfection. So if they fail to meet that, they get they get punished. And so they avoid that at all costs. They'll convince themselves that they're right for as long as humanly possible and then just forget about it so they don't have to actually have that moment where you approach the yeah. approach the the judge and say, oh, totally was wrong here. Yeah. You know, like made a big mistake. Um, that's cool. That's what is going to happen over and over again in life. You're going to continually make mistakes and hopefully you learn from them like and have a totally different perspective. And then when your judge is on your side and is cool like that and it's kind of like your overmind, you'd be like, yeah, you talk with that overmind. Be like, yeah, man, fuck that one, you know, yeah. but um, I learned and, and, and the judge instead of punishing, he's like, oh, cool. Good for you. You know, that's what life is. And the correction is you're taking the easiest off ramp as opposed to the one that, yeah. that goes off the cliff. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. and so you, you develop that positive relationship with with your whole mind and core so that you're not abusing yourself and then all of a sudden it's easy to admit you're wrong like oh yeah i was wrong that's cool yeah you know it's not it's not such a big deal and you don't you're not afraid of introspection and you're not afraid of these different things i, I find that i find that with psychedelics too i think that's probably the thing that people are afraid of the most for sure is like them looking at their path and being like god damn i'm doing the wrong thing or like whatever you know and i have a lot of people who are it's true like really clearly doing what they should be doing an athlete or yeah. you know like a world-class hockey player loves playing hockey or whatever and they'll be like oh, you know i'm just afraid that it's going to tell me i don't want to play hockey anymore I'm like i'm not gonna fucking tell you you don't want to play hockey anymore it's not like a random right. magic eight ball it's gonna be like hockey nope right. not for you you know if it tells you something it should tell you're you you're now a painter yeah exactly if it's gonna tell you something it's gonna tell you the right thing you know like there's no reason to be afraid of it like don't be afraid of your own introspection and your own analysis of these issues like the sooner you find out the truth the better it's funny i gotta admit something now so i everybody worries about that the first time they do ayahuasca like what is it going to come up i don't want it to change the parts of me i like right and so and no one's ever going to see this video i'm just going to put that out there right now but <laughs> the night before uh, i go into the jungle i'm staying in a ketos right and i decide i'm going to make the last video of me as whoever i am at that time right yeah because i had no idea what was going to happen i was still a newbie and this video is so funny it's me <laughs> and i'm like if i come out and like i'm French kissing trees and shit. Like, just call in sick to work. Just calm down. Look me in the eye. Calm down. Just take a day off of work. Get introspective. Try and ground yourself. Take your shoes off. Go outside. Let them touch the grass. And I start crying in this video. And because I was so nervous sure. about losing all the stuff about me that I liked. And little, little did I know is that's not how it works at all. No. The stuff that you like get amplified generally and this and a lot of the painful stuff or at least the pathways to the painful stuff start getting blocked up. Yeah. And uh uh or or lubricated and and cleared out. Um but I think when I talk to people about ayahuasca, that is the number one thing. Isn't that I never hear anybody say I don't think it'll work. They know it's going to work. What they're afraid of is Oh, I know what it's going to say. Yeah. And that's always seems like a weird, weird excuse. I mean, I guess I understand it because it is scary, but otherwise you got to live with that thing in the corner of your bedroom of your mind for the rest of your life. Yeah. Let's turn on the lights. Yeah.
Let's fight yeah, that totally. dragon. I, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, you know, I go hunting occasionally, as I said, and um, on one of my hunting trips, I took some mushrooms, and the the company that I was with. It's like, no, I don't want to take mushrooms because what if it tells me I shouldn't be hunting? It's like, well, then fucking should tell you that you shouldn't be hunting. Like, yeah. whatever you do should be able to withstand your deepest truth. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to hide from that. I'm not going to not take mushrooms just because I want to do this thing. Yeah. You know, like, you got to figure out if you got to be reconciled with what, what your deepest truth is. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for something later. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, you can't run from that stuff. It, it's going to come out. And. And I guess for the people who are really experienced with that, they understand that this is your this is your best voice coming out more often than not. And it's not to say that occasionally, like I've heard of acid trips or something where, or any kind of trips that spin people out and they get ideas of grandeur and they get a little ungrounded from reality and their ideas are bad. That can totally happen. Ayahuasca is not a panacea. No psychedelic is. Yep. Sometimes the information is going to be bullshit. It's definitely possible. But more often than not, it's your best self and your best voice who's talking to you with love. Yep. You know, and, and there's no reason to be afraid of that and no reason to worry about that. Like everything you do in life should be able to withstand that scrutiny. You should be able to eat a bunch of weed, get in a float tank, get all paranoid and look at your life and be like, how many ways am I a douchebag? Yeah. You know, and it'll tell you a lot. It'll always tell you a well, lot. And that's really it. You know, I, th- I think that's the message that, uh, that you bring a lot is not necessarily it's not necessarily pro plant medicine uh it just as as a modality it's not having to live with self-doubt shame things that don't serve you it, that's really the mission if that came in a capsule or it came in a a, a liquid form you would just do that it's just that the fact that the plant medicine is the best modality that we have the best technology mm-hmm. that we have to achieve that goal and i talk about the other technologies too there's mm-hmm. you know shamanic breathing you know mm-hmm. just using your breath you can do a lot of that everything has its own legal way legal in all 50 states I, they you can breathe outlaw, in they everyone they can't outlaw that one they can yeah. and you know it's, there's a million ways to get there but the plants have their own specific wisdom these are you know i think hamilton describes it in the coolest way and that these are ascended masters so wise that for them to incarnate as humans, it wouldn't even make sense. So they had to incarnate as something more steady, yeah. you know, a plant and a plant ally. And, you know, whether you believe that or not, it doesn't matter. But it's kind of a cool metaphor for what these things are. They're like teachers that are so wise that them even having a voice and having the imperfections of humanity in the way that humans kind of flow in the breeze it wouldn't even make sense but having this steady wisdom embodied in a plant that will access your own highest wisdom and help you figure it out because that's what any great teacher does Mm -hmm. you know like i think the lowest level of teacher tells you something you know and shows you how to do something and then the the next level of teacher well the lowest level just tells you something and provides that service for you. Like, here, let me do this for you. I will absolve you of your sin myself as priest. I do this thing for you. You can't do it yourself. Next level is teaching you how to do it yourself. Here's how you absolve yourself. So you don't need me anymore. Mm -hmm. And then the final level is just to always remind you that you're always whole. You're already perfect. Yeah. You know, and that's what these plants almost always tend to do is like, you're a great motherfucker. You're a beautiful human being. You're love embodied. Here are the ways that you're not, you know, not, there's the ways that you can get to that more easily. Yeah. You know, here are the, here are the blocks that you have. Here are the obstacles to preventing you from your highest potential. Isn't that the, that's uh, the best thing 
um, is being able to see humanity and really love, like genuinely love everybody's uniqueness. I think everybody is so funny. Every, we're all just stupid bitches. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just funny people doing funny things. And I get so much enjoyment even out of uh, some people that, that, that are negative or whatever it is. Um, you'd switch the anger to compassion for all those. And then in the compassion, compassion's a, a funny emotion too because it has some humor associated with it mm-hmm. where uh, you're able to laugh off things that used to turn you upset or angry or envious or whatever it is you have compassion for uh other people's they're not even faults they're just uniquenesses yeah no doubt in their capacity yeah and then that's looking at life that way you know that's the most inspiring way to look at it because then you're motivated to help humanity you know i think when i when i lose that is when i'm the least motivated and the most unhappy when Mm -hmm. i look at people and i just see their faults and i judge them and think you know fuck these people you know like you get a string of haters on social media or somebody just yeah causes you to close up and be like man what the fuck am i doing this for anyways well and it's even more important because it's proven beyond a shadow of doubt that that negativity and positivity are contagious yeah right and and anybody that's been around a negative person and said "Ooh, i gotta i can't hang around alice she's she's negative like she just there's there's bad energy there everybody's felt that because it's a real thing and uh, when you, so people are more attracted to positivity. And that's why I think positivity reigns and, and positivity is the reason that the world has consistently gotten better since the beginning of time. It's gotten fat, uh, our quality of life has gotten better. It's gotten safer. Uh, we've gotten more intelligent. It's because of positivity. And so it's imperative that people source that positivity because you want to be on the winning side. Yeah. Right. And positivity will reign eventually and you can spread it to other people. That's the best way to become immortal is to spread positivity to as many people as you can. Like to this day, I just had a really something that got me real emotional the other day is I had a, a Facebook message from my old director of operations at the Hilton. And he, he said uh, I did a Yoda moment because he always used to call me Yoda because of the advice I would give him. And he talks through this whole problem and how he handled it versus how he would have normally handled it and the result, how successful it was and how it actually came back to him and benefited him. And he thanked me for that. I was like, you you don't realize it, but all those little drops create waves and those ripples keep going long after you move on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's really the legacy that we live here with whatever time we have whatever imprints that we have on this earth and damn it there's no way i'm going out with with not having as much positivity in this world as i have in my body yeah yeah it's a beautiful mission to have man and you know one of the things that i appreciate the most about you is that i can count on you to hold that flag here at the office i mean obviously you have one of the most visible positions here in this company you know coo you touch as you know the only person who touches as many departments as you is myself and you actually probably do more because you pay attention to all aspects at all times and it's not just the quality of your work and your mind but it's the energy that you bring to that that allows me the comfort to go away on a trip and understand that not only the plan is being executed but the spirit and the flag that we hold up here and on it is being upheld so um 
I can't appreciate that enough, my friend. I appreciate that. It's easy to do here at Onnit. That was the other reason that I, I wanted to come here because I, I discovered another one, another hack is finding your tribe. Yeah. And uh, the quickest way to become the person you want to be is surround yourself with those people. Yeah. And I, so all the things I wanted, positivity and uh, uh, unique work environment and, you know, a lot of entrepreneurial spirit and all those things that was embodied in on it. So coming here, I got exactly what I asked for. And it allowed me to become a better version of myself being around so many individuals that were like minded in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how it becomes powerful. That's how it becomes a beacon of its own. Yeah. No doubt, brother. Well, this has been a pleasure, man. Hour sped by. Wow. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate that a lot. We'll have to do this again. Let's do it. Um, Follow you on the Spinning Logic podcast. Any other social media or anything? Uh, Yeah, everything's listed at uh, jasonhavey.com. It's J-A-S-O-N-H-A-V as in Victor, E-Y.com. And that gets you to the Instagram and all that good stuff. And you'll be posting the uh, night before ayahuasca pep talk to YouTube on jasonhavey.com. For sure. sure. For sure. I'll get it. I'll post it up. I'm not afraid. That's awesome. (laughs) If you're kissing trees. You're French kissing trees. Just stop it. Take a day off of work. That's That's good advice if anybody needs it. Uh, Beautiful. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Love you. Love you all. Love you too, man. Love you guys. Bye-bye. I'd like to acknowledge the company that is the expression of so many things I love, onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, and also wearspace.com with two S's, putting out some really dope clothes and supporting my favorite charities. Lastly, please check out my blog, aubreymarcus.com, for the latest in all the ventures happening in my world. If you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend, leave a review, and let's make this positivity contagious. Thanks for tuning in.